it's time to get reconnected. Tune in every week to Enneagram Restored Podcast for Reconnected, a relationship series on how the Enneagram can be a bridge between your relationship goals and the current reality of your relationships. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Enneagram Restart Podcast. I'm your host, Braylon Williams, and for my faithful listeners, I thank you once again for listening. And if you're new to this podcast, I hope you enjoy this episode. Um, and so in today's episode, we're going to talk about how type sevens can become reconnected. But before we go there, I just want to take a moment to pause and to say that there are only three more episodes left until the season two finale, which means a total of four episodes left in season two. Um, time sure has flown by, but it's been an amazing season two. I've had fun. Um, and even though this means that our reconnected relationship series is coming to an end, that doesn't mean that uh, the discussion of how the Enneagram helps and is beneficial to our relationship will never end. And so um, it's just been a phenomenal time. But with that being said, let's let's talk about how sevens love. Passion for pleasure, reframing as self-protection, an abundance of activity, and the need for optimism are all motivations behind a seven's expression of love. And so what I want to do right now is I want us to break these each of these things down. All right. So let's start with the passion for pleasure. Sevens just hate living in and experiencing unpleasant emotions and unpleasant life situations. So one of the ways that they combat this is by seeking out external gratification um, and they're always searching uh, for the next thing that will bring them happiness and more enjoyment Uh, and so this really ties in with um the fact that seven's daily sin is gluttony um so just a quick side note with that though if you want to know more about the seven's daily sin or any other types daily sin go back and listen to the episodes in season one because i really go in depth with the deadly sin in those episodes all right and so but gluttony in a seven it isn't about food but it, it's a and what it does it, it speaks to their compulsive need to devour positive experience and stimulating ideas to fend off suffering um so th- this is why a seven especially a lower level seven will always be eager and trying to get you to do something new um this is why they're always honestly this is part of the reason why they're called um 
it had the title of being the adventurer of the Enneagram group of the Enneagram. And so they, and why this is so is because as children, they, they kind of experience not the best part of life. And so uh, there's a, I don't, it could be trauma, but not all the time it's trauma, just not the best um, in life as a child or some things went wrong. And so, uh, as a way to protect themselves from the, all the horrible things, they they start to go in their head and create these happy places. And so, they, and then as an adult life, they seek out these happy places and seek out these happy things and avoid the unpleasant things. And so, which leads us to the next one, which is the self-protection that they have that motivates their love. And so, to better explain this, and this too also ties back into a seven's deadly sin of gluttony, but to better explain um, their um, need to refrain as a way of self-protection, I want to read you this excerpt from Suzanne Stabile's book, The Path Between Us. Although many numbers fear being abandoned and alone, sevens are totally afraid of being trapped and engulfed, so they find an escape route and refraining. They intuitively refrain feelings of pain and failure most almost immediately as something else. Their ability to reframe and rename what's happening allows sevens to move to a magical place in their heads that has been serving them well since they were children. Escapist of pain and suffering are sevens. All right. Activity, activity, and activity um, is another thing about sevens. I mean, if you noticed... Thus far, sevens don't like being trapped in anything unpleasant, and it's no different when they think about activity, all right? And so another way that they combat um, and they manage their, their fear of being trapped in anything unpleasant is they is that they keep their options open. There is never enough options for a seven. There's never enough activity. There's always something new to do. Um, sevens take on the attitude of life is short. Try it all. And so they are always in that mode of what's the next new thing I can do? What What's the next new adventure I can take? Because they find happiness. They find happiness in the new. And so they ward off their unpleasantness. They, they ward off their fear by going to this new, this on a new hike, to a new park, to a, a new store, a, a new movie theater, a, a, a new, anything new. If, it ha, if, if, if it's never done before, if they've never done it before, more than likely a seven will do it. Um, but I speak a lot about the new phase of sevens, but they also, they'll, they'll retry stuff they've already done. But anything that they retry, they will typically kind of almost always put a new spin onto the things that they've already done. So it's, say, say they've been to one park in town multiple times, they'll try to make that park seem different each time they go, um, not necessarily, but almost always, that that's something that they would do is put a new spin on the things that they are already done or places that they've already been to. Um, so, and as you can see, um, the core of the seven's expression of love, it, like I said, is how they deal with unpleasant things of life. 
And this last motivation behind their expression of love is no different. The last motivation that I want to talk to you about is the motivation of their need for optimism. Um, and I just I love what Suzanne Stabile has says about this again in her book, The Path Between Us. She says, a seventh need for optimism is directly connected to the desire to believe that the world is safe, people are good, and their needs will be taken care of. So it's hard to remember that sevens are in the fear triad since most sevens we know don't seem fearful. It seems that sevens are always there ready to take you on a new adventure, ready to express love through their abundance of wanting to live life to the fullest but just like any other type of the Enneagram that we've been through in this series, sevens as well have limitations to their love. They have things that limit how much love they give out. And the things that limit, it, limit a seven's love is their repressing of feelings, their ego, and how they deal with conflict resolution. And sevens don't repress all feelings, but they repress the ugly feelings that, so that they can remain in the happy emotions of life. Um, and when it comes to conflict resolution in seven, they are there are two problems. Problem one is that you have to get them to admit that there is a problem in the first place. And then once you've once they have come to admit that there is a problem, the next problem, problem two, is that. You had to get them to deal with the problem rather than just pushing it out the, under the rug and just moving on to the next happy thing of life. And so a, a thing about sevens is that they need to learn how to deal with problems as they arise and, and to push away their wish that problems will just solve themselves. Because as we all know, problems just don't solve themselves. And so, but a seven has this mentality. They, they wish that every problem that they face would just solve themselves. And so, and they, especially lower level sevens think that they will. And so they take on the next happy things instead of trying to resolute their problems. I am so grateful for everyone's support. Without you guys, this podcast would not be possible. But if you're not already subscribed to Enneagram Restored Podcast, don't forget to follow and subscribe Enneagram Restored Podcast to be notified of each new episode that is released. All right, so now I want to talk about uh, the most, the least apparent of the five love languages, five love languages and a seven. Um, but I just want to say that, like, honestly, doing this ranking and talking about the most, the least apparent love language in a five, or not a five, and a seven and all the other types um, has probably been my most favorite thing about this entire re reconnected relationship series. Um, it's been insightful um, because a lot of times I, I grappled with, all right, it, is this an adequate ranking? And so I, I went, I, I went to um, another um, person, uh, Enneagram enthusiast um, website who has taken a poll of 
her um, Instagram followers one time and about this and to see kind of like where of the range of the love languages are in each type. And so like, I would go there, like if I've, I would always go and check, all right, what did her followers say against what my just understanding from research and my general understanding of that type's population. And so I would look and say, all right, we, we said the same thing there. That, that's all right. And there and there are like, oh, I, I said, for one type, this followers said not so much what I said. That's interesting, but I really think, I I think my word. It, it's just been an interesting and insightful um, look into uh, the five love languages tied to the enneagram. Because if you know, if you've listened to this podcast before, if you or if you know me just in person, you, you probably know that two things in life that I'm just really big on are one the Enneagram into the five love languages because um, I'm all about relationships um, and trying to really just make them not perfect, but make relationships good from the get-go because I didn't, it stems from, you know, personal issues from growing up, not having the best relationships ever and not really even now, not really being able to have the best relationships uh, platonically and romantically. And so I've always, you know, say, all right, to other people, I want you to learn from my mistakes. I want you to learn from what I've learned um, to make relationships better. So, and that's all we can do. Relationships are messy and it takes learning and putting to practice what we learn to make them healthier, to make them better. All right. But I've talked enough about that. Um, so one thing, I, before I give you the ranking, let me just remind you that this ranking is solely my opinion, um, but it's an opinion that, like I said, is based on research, is based on my general understanding of the seven population, just as, just as it has been with the other uh, eight types that we talked about in the past. Um, so, but here's the ranking. Coming in first is quality time. Second, physical touch. Third, words of affirmation. Fourth, gifts. And finally, fifth is acts of service for a type seven. Um, now, I just want to quickly um, break this ranking down some. Quality time is no doubt the most apparent love language in a seven because quality time and unpleasantness can't coexist. Either you have quality time, which is, again, um, giving your undivided attention to a person or a thing, but in this case, a person, or you have unpleasantness. You can't have both. It's either quality time and no unpleasantness, or you have unpleasantness and no quality time. Um, and so to live true to the fact of sevens only wanting to experience the good and to live in the happy range of emotions quality time is the best way to go about it and so um it's the most logical way to do according to love languages and so that that's why quality time is the most apparent in, in a seven and then physical touch is kind of in the same boat as quality time showing love the physical touch requires touches that have emotions from the happy range behind them uh 
we all know, of course, don't want to just throw out the side that the possibility of physical abuse, um, that's a real thing that we have to deal with, unfortunately. But we all know that physical abuse um, and touches like that do not come from a place of love. And so they don't even have a place in the love language of physical touch. So um, when we talk about physical touch in the realm of the five love languages, we aren't talking about physical abuse because that that's not coming from a place of love at all. That has coming from a place of hatred. And so when we talk about physical touch in the love language realm, we're talking about, you know, hugs, kisses, um, more intimate touches um, that are reserved for uh, intimate couples, such as married couples uh, type of touches. So, uh, yeah. And so the last thing I want to talk about is kind of the last three. So I ranked words of affirmation, gifts, and extra service um, in a clearly delineated ranking. But really, I believe that these three love languages are equal in their apparentness. Um, there, that there really isn't a clear line between which one is first, second, third when it comes to these three. Uh, and so and I say that because I think it really depends on what emotion is being conveyed behind that love language. Like what what emotion are you, you conveying behind your expression of worship affirmation to a seven and vice versa? What emotion are they conveying through their ex expression to you? through words of affirmation. So, and the same is with gifts and acts of service. I think there's an equalness to these three. And so no doubt quality time is first, physical touch is second, but then it kind of becomes a jumble of equalness with words of affirmation, gifts and acts of service. And so really those three come in the three spot in the total ranking. All right. So and that's, and that's the, Last time we'll talk talk about that in this series. Wow. I'm so glad that you have chosen to come along with me in another season of restoration. Season one was so great. And I think that in the second season, uh, it's important to focus on relationships. And so I also want to challenge you in the second season that you'll be intentional about showing love to your significant other, family, and friends. All right, let's talk about a seven's compatibility, which each, each of the nine types. Um, let me just, if, if you are a returning listener to this podcast, you've heard this spiel probably multiple times. And so, uh, I'll, I'll give you the brief version of it, but when I talk about compatibility, I'm not saying that one type is only compatible with another type, but compatibility is really in the end, the essence of two people being committed to making their relationship work, to working towards a shared goal of the relationship, all right? So there's a short version. If you want to hear the longer version, you can go back to even last week's episode, because I think I went through the entire long spiel um, man, so, but you can just go through different episodes and I give a total, so many variations of that spiel, um, throughout this series. And so, uh, but that being said, let's talk about compatibility with each of nine types. And so also want to point out that I am going to be reading straight from my notes to make sure I say everything and to make sure 
that we get through this as quick as possible because this segment does tend to take the longest because um, it's just a lot of information for each of the types. And so let's get started with the seven and one relationship, which is another relationship that is very complementary and reciprocal. Both are future oriented and idealistic, both, but they also both bring their own unique qualities to the relationship. Ones offer sevens a sense of purpose and idealism, as well as direction and the feeling that life is noble and meaningful. Ones bring conscientiousness, orderliness, good work habits, methodical attention to detail, and a pleasure in maintaining excellence and high standards to the relationship. Sevens offer ones a sense of excitement and life as a source of pleasure and enjoyment. Sevens bring spontaneity, high energy, curiosity, and, and an orientation toward fun and adventure, the desire to try new things, and an ability to not get hung up with getting everything perfectly to the relationship. Problems in this relationship are often based in the idea of discipline versus undisciplined. Lower functioning ones will begin to see sevens as undisciplined and self-centered. They feel sevens are prolific and wasteful, whereas lower functioning sevens will begin to see ones as too prissy and perfectionistic. They feel ones are too tight-fisted and have no vision. As things get worse, ones eventually lose respect for sevens, and sevens get tired of the ones' continual criticism and dissatisfaction. Ones will begin to withdraw emotional connection from the seven, and the seven will begin to pursue other relationship options. The seven and two pairing is a pairing made of two people who both can be outgoing, friendly, funny, high-energy people. Both the two and the seven want others to be happy. They both are a part of the positive outlook harmonic group, and I'll talk more about the harmonic groups at the end of this season and in season three, uh, which allows them to interpret things, even setbacks in a positive way. They're always looking for the silver lining. Let's talk about how, what each type brings to relationship though. Twos bring a depth of feeling and concern for the welfare of others. And they admire the nerve and gusto with which sevens plunge ahead in life with making the seven available to everyday unpredictable adventures. Sevens bring high energy and a quick mind that sees possibilities and generates ideas faster than, can, than they can be acted on. Sevens help twos to remember to do nice things for themselves on a regular basis. Issues in this relationship are a result of intimacy versus adventure. Twos feel that they can never have enough intimacy and they usually try to find ways to be closer to the seven. This may include staying at home, going on a quiet walk together, cooking together, and talking about settling down and having a family. However, sevens generally find the idea of settling down as unattractive. A good thing that will help this relationship thrive is a two practicing verbalizing what they want and need. Both the seven and the three are self-assertive, high-energy, outgoing people who are capable of being around people with relative ease, which makes this pairing a very complementary pairing. This pairing is possibly the highest energy combination of types, and they wholeheartedly engage in lots of activities, plans, and projects with the emphasis on attaining the good life. While they each bring different qualities, Threes bring sensitivity to people and how to communicate with them, a sense of propriety, 
appropriateness and social conventions, as well as the ability to focus on goals and get them accomplished. And sevens bring a sense of adventure, resilience, and not being overly concerned with failure. They also share qualities that they bring to the relationship, both bring optimism, a future orientation, the sense of possibility and renewal. Both are persuasive and articulate, often lively and attractive, which makes them sought after company. While this is a highly complimentary couple, they can become extremely volatile towards each other. This couple can be exhausting to keep up with and their mutual qualities make it difficult to admit or look at problems. Both types seem lighthearted and unconcerned, yet in their high energy routines, they can often hurt each other without realizing it. Often this results in a backlog of past hurts and have been suppressed that have been suppressed until it's too late and too much damage has been done. Neither wants to talk about their shortcomings, their failures, or negative feelings. And so these topics tend to be avoided as long as possible. Furthermore, sevens don't want to be trapped in a relationship that is no longer enjoyable, and threes don't want to be in a relationship that has failed. So once they doubt that the other is there for them, they turn to self-centered attitudes, which further erode the relationship. And for this couple, a breakup can come abruptly, and it can be permanent. Sevens and fours are complete opposites, which actually makes them intrigued by each other and draws them together. Fours tend to be quiet, introverted, self-doubting, emotional, and pessimistic. On the other hand, sevens tend to be outgoing, extroverted, self-confident, mental, and optimistic. Although they are complete opposites, fours and sevens share qualities, and they help each other attain aspects outside the normalcy of their type. Both types are love lively conversations and they can pass hours sharing with each other detailed accounts of events of the day as well as their thoughts and reactions both have a love of the new and a sense of adventure and romance that can keep the relationship fresh and lively for themselves and be a source of joy and inspiration for others fours help seven stay focused on what they really want and to respect and allow their feelings sevens help fours overcome possible reluctance to try new experiences because they are so different in many ways, fours and sevens must have several strong points of attractions or else they will likely miss connecting with each other unless some strong passion, romantic, mental, or spiritual keeps them together. They are likely to fly apart if there are deep disagreements or conflicts early in the relationship. As, they, as their relationship becomes worse, fours usually become more withholding and hostile and sevens become more impatient abrasive it can be verbally abusive however each type has a different way of tending to the relationship fours want to talk about everything that has gone wrong whereas on the other hand sevens want to move on to something more promising and upbeat so once the relationship goes sour virtually anything everything each type admire and was attracted to and the other becomes irritating and insufferable both sevens and fives bring a lot of mental energy and appreciation for ideas to the relationship each one brings something to the, the, the each one brings something to the relationship that the other 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 doesn't have fives bring depth 
clarity or observation, insight into the objective state of affairs, independence and self-reliance, and often a wonderfully offbeat, whimsical sense of humor. Sevens bring quick quickness, not only of mind, but of spirit, ready to do almost anything at a moment's notice. Fives ground and deepen sevens. Sevens get fives to try new experiences and to make new social contracts. And they both love conversation and ideas, and they love to explore new realms together. While this is a complementary and reciprocal relationship, this is also a relationship of two people who are opposites with different attitudes about how to enjoy themselves and how to be fulfilled in the world. Fives say, life is short, don't expect too much. Whereas sevens say, life is short, try it all. Both of these attitudes are true and can usefully balance the other. The biggest problem for this relationship is each type deals with stress differently. For five, stress sends them into detachment. For sevens, stress sends them into hyperdrive. Now let's talk specifically about how each type sees the other when they are in the lower levels of health. In the lower levels, fives can see sevens as two escapists, superficial, intrusive, and coerced. The seven wants the five to be more fun so that their experience will be more positive. Sevens embarrass fives by being too effusive and glib. On the other hand, sevens think fives are cold and unresponsive. Conflicts with each other's style make both dig in their heels. Sevens become more demanding and pushy, whereas fives become more withdrawn and uncooperative. Sevens may act out to get the fives' attention, but they may go too far causing fives to close the door. A lack of trust and difficulty in finding a safe common ground to work out differences makes things worse as both types tend to take extreme, well-defended positions. The seven and the six are both mental types and there can be a great deal of mental stimulation in this pairing. These two types offer many areas in which they reinforce each other and some areas in which the strengths of the of one counterbalance the limitations of the other. Sevens are usually entertaining and tend to lift the spirits of sixes. Sevens are good at generating new ideas while sixes are good at mastering the practical steps that are necessary to get things done. Sevens also help sixes put fear and limitation into perspective and sometimes move beyond them entirely. In intimate relationships, the, the balance exists that sixes are regulators and sevens are the stimulators. They can keep each moving forward by allowing the other to counterbalance their own limitations. To this visionary functionary mix, sixes bring commitment and loyalty to the seven, often an expertise and groundedness that the seven comes to trust and rely on implicitly, as well as a strong grip on reality and what can be accomplished within given parameters. Sevens bring a driving sense of optimism and possibility, high energy, a sense of adventure and fearlessness with regard to failure. They can teach sixes how to be resilient and how not to fear the future. While sixes can teach sevens the difference between optimism and pipe dreams, despite how well sixes and sevens can reinforce each other's strengths when they are healthy. In the average to lower levels, the, the picture can shift quickly. Sixes are essentially interested in security and predictability, foreseeing problems and building procedures to prevent future uncertainty. They are aware of 
limitations and why things can't be done or at least done easily. Sevens, by contrast, are about seeking happiness and relief from increasing frustration or anxiety. They are about trying new things, seeing new possibilities, and overcoming limitations. They do not want to hear about problems or obstacles. They want things to be done the day before yesterday. Another problem for this couple is that sixes very much want to find someone with whom they can have long-term commitment, whereas, six, seven, whereas sevens tend to be fearful of long-term commitments and enter into them somewhat reluctantly. This in turn leads sixes to wonder if sevens can be relied on. The sevens, to seven sixes live a life of limits and rules that the sevens feel are restrictions largely, largely imaginary and self-imposed. In a six and seven relationship, these two opposing philosophies reflect the very different expectations sixes and sevens have from life and from a relationship. And unless they can be reconciled, it will be difficult for this couple to remain in a, in a relationship. A double seven relationship is characterized by high energy, spontaneity, frequent travel and entertaining, and an interest in anything new or or anything that promises new possibilities. A double seven relationship that is well balanced and healthy has an undeniable amount of joy that spills out into the lives of everyone they come in contact with. A healthy double seven couple is thoughtful, sensitive, idealistic, hospitable, and generous. Each seven brings to the relationship a spirit of personal freedom that is noteworthy. Neither wants to be tied down in routines or empty formal commitments, and so both sevens are determined to not impose many rules or, ex or expectations on the other. They want their relationship to be guided by the fact that both parties positively, weighing, won't, positively want to be with the other rather than feeling that they are locked into something constrict, some constricting set of obligations. In a double seven relationship, gratitude for the relationship and for finding each other is a guiding spirit. One of the problems for a double seven pairing is in the fact that relationship building takes time, which is the opposite of what a seven wants. Double sevens are impatient for the time that it takes to build a healthy relationship. They want the relationship to be more complete and developed than it really is. While a double seven couple has no lack of energy and no lack of high expectations, they may find it difficult to stay with both themselves and the other as they both work through the growing pains of the relationship. As time goes on and the relationship is no longer stimulating, is no longer a stimulating experience that it once was, sevens begin to turn their attention elsewhere, possibly to their own, to the work or to other involvements. Another problem for double seven relationships is that both tend to be impulsive and irreverent, often saying and doing whatever brings relief in the heat of the moment. During arguments, things are said which cannot be unsaid, and feelings may be irreparably hurt by either. Both can be insensitive, self-centered, and unreliable. Both tend to also to both tend also to crave constant stimulation, which can lead to a hectic social life. This can be exciting if both parties do things together, but if they begin to have separate interests and different sets of friends, their social lives will pull them apart. They may begin to have little time for each other or for their family. Some, someone is bound to feel left out, and on some level, each seven is determined that it will not be them.
Sharon had a lot of qualities in both being extremely outspoken. The seven and eight coupling can get a tremendous amount of work done because they're both revitalized by staying active. Both eights and sevens are adventurous and willing to try new things in their relationship, but they bring they both have busy schedules. Because they both have because they both have busy schedules, it is important for them to remember that talking about painful emotions may not feel safe or comfortable, but is absolutely essential for true growth in the relationship. Being practical and making the best of their limitations are both characteristics of the seven and nine couple. Both the nine and the seven are capable of making the most mundane events pleasurable and pleasant. Sevens provide the stimulation. They bring the fun, the sparkle, and adventure to the relationship. Nines provide the audience. They bring steadiness, support, and acceptance to the relationship. As long as neither takes advantage of the other, there is a good balance between energy and relaxation in this couple. It is important for this couple to develop healthy ways of working through the painful aspects of life because neither the nine nor the seven are usually adept at working through the negative or painful aspects of life or of the relationship. I just want to pause where we are and we've covered a lot. Let's just take a moment to breathe. Let's close our eyes and just breathe in deep and sense where we are. Feel the feel the breath as you inhale deeply and feel your feet against the floor and just feel your environment around you. So great. Oftentimes we rush through life and we soak in all this information. And so I just really wanted to make it a point throughout this series and even at next season uh, of life. And e even as this podcast continues, I just want to make it a point for not only me, but for also those around me to just take a moment throughout your day and just Breathe. Allow yourself to be grounded through just feeling the environment. Now, I know we only take in a short time of breathing here, but I encourage you to take even longer. Take five minutes, 10 minutes, as long as you like to just make it a part of your daily schedule to just take a moment in the quietness and breathe deeply. Allow yourself to be grounded in, in life. Allow, you, allow yourself to feel your feet touching the ground, your breath entering in and out of your lungs. Just a moment to be grounded in the business of life. All right, let's talk about how sevens can, let's find reconnection with themselves and others and vice versa. Um, and again, remember that reconnection is not just for the estranged relationships, but it's also for the relationship that you interact with very frequently, but you sense that there is a missing piece of the puzzle in your relationship. 
Um, and that is why reconnection is so important um, because no matter what stage of the relationship is your relationship with someone is in, there's always a missing piece. So there's always a need for reconnection. Um, and another thing I want to remind you about is that reconnection is a process. It, it's not an overnight deal. It, it takes time, but it's a process that starts with an ideological understanding. So essentially the question here is, how do I find the missing piece? And then it moves into a practical understanding with the question being, how can I start to put the piece, the missing piece back into the puzzle? Um, and so that that's how reconnection works in the realm. It works in strange relationships. It works in your everyday interaction relationships, but you sense there's a missing piece. It goes from ideological, what is missing to practical? How can I fix this? How, how can I put the puzzle back? And how can I put the piece back in the puzzle? So I don't want to start to talk. I want to start by talking just directly to seven. So if you're not a seven, if you're a one, two, three, four, five, six, eight, or nine, you can zone out at this point in time if you want to. I'll come back to you in a minute. Um, but if you are a seven, I want you to lean in right now. Um, put away all distractions. Lean into what I'm about to say because this is very helpful to you. And what I want to say to you is that I know that you want to escape the ugly and unpleasant emotions and experiences of life, which is understandable. We all hate the ugly things of life, but escaping the unpleasant life experiences will not help you grow as a person. So I want you to begin grounding yourself in the unpleasant. Ground yourself in the ugly emotions of life. Ground yourself in the unpleasantness of life. And what do I mean by grounding yourself in the unpleasant and the ugly emotions? Um, it, it's very similar to how we just did the breathe moment uh, a few seconds ago. So all, all this is is you taking note of why the moment is unpleasant, why there are ugly emotions in the moment. Reflect on what you're feeling in the moment and, and speak a word into yourself so that you won't let this unpleasant moment knock you down. So to give you a, a quick example, all right, say I'm feeling discomfort right now. I would just close my eyes, reflect on me. I will say, all right, why am I feeling discomfort in this moment? What calls me to feel discomfort? Oh, that's what. Okay. And then I'll say, all right, this is uh, discomfort. This is an uncomfortable situation, but I would not let this situation take away my true comfort. It's okay that it has caused me discomfort now, but I'm moving past it. And that, that's just a quick example. You, you can mend that to better fit your situations and better fit your personality. But that, that's kind of how it's done. Just take note of the moment, uh, reflect in the moment, ground yourself in the presentness of that unpleasantness, of that ugly emotion, and motivate, tell yourself that it's okay to, that I feel this, but I'm going to move past it in this moment. And that I'm not going to let, let it knock me down. All right. So now I want to talk to everybody who is not a seven. So 
If you're seven, you can zone out. But if you're one, two, three, four, five, six, eight, or nine, I want you to lean in right now to what I'm about to say because this is going to be beneficial to you reconnecting with the sevens you know in your life. So for you all, reconnecting it with the seven is a little bit easier. Um, first, you must understand that Sevens are escapists. They love to escape the ugliness of life. They love to escape the ugly emotions, the unpleasant life experiences. So I want you to practice helping a seven adequately process through the ugly emotions and the unpleasant life experiences. Um, now, I'm not saying that you give them advice and tell them how to get past it. No, what I'm saying is you, you help them ground themselves and so what that kind of looks like for you is like all right so say you notice a seven is trying to move past an ugly emotion or an unpleasant life experience you say you tell them i love you but i need you to stop in this moment and to ground yourself i need you to reflect on why this ugly emotion is happening i need you to take a moment to close your eyes reflect on yourself and to reflect on this unpleasant life experience right now before we can move on Say something like that, or if they're good at grounding themselves in, in the moment, all right. Say something like, all right, how uh, say some how can you uh, further your your understanding of this? How can you say, all right, I understand this, I understand why I'm feeling this, but how can you now say why is it this is why is this a constant effect and situation help them don't give them advice don't tell them how to live but help them to ground themselves in the ugly emotions and the unpleasant life experiences and that's if you can do that your relationship with the seven will increase tremendously it will become more healthy and they will love you all the more for it they might not see it in the moment but as you continually help them to ground themselves um and they learn that grounding themselves is not all that bad, and it actually helps them process things better. They will love themselves, and they will love you more for it. All right. So. Well, everybody, that is it for this week's episode of Enneagram Historic Podcast. Again, thank you for listening. Um, and next week's show... I'm going to give everyone some self-reflection prompts that will be helpful in reconnecting with the head type. So these will be prompts directly stated for types five, six, and sevens. So don't miss it. It's going to be one of the short episodes. Um, so it'll be a very quick listen. You can listen to it on your drive to work, to school, or back home, uh, anywhere. But it's going to be, again, if you have been following this series, the those episodes have been shorter ones so it'll be a quick listen it won't be as much information as here and it's more all about what you take away from it how you use those props all right and so that being said don't miss it it's also the very last episode of the reconnected relationship series so um, be sure to catch it for sure because that will be the wrap-up of the entire series um, of so and also don't forget to Follow and subscribe to Instagram Start Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Instagram. And remember that the Enneagram doesn't define you, but it does bring restoration. It helps reshape your thinking and habits. 